0: Listen, if you have your Bibles today, let's turn to the book of Nehemiah. Um, I'm keeping on the Valentine's theme. Um, Not really. Uh, I'm keeping on the theme of our greatest love relationship is with the Lord. Now, that's biblical. So uh, that's a good way to think of it today. We've been talking about God's love, and uh, God loves you like no one else can love you. And uh, I'm glad of that in my own life. Amen. And we're going to see that today. And today I want us to think about really focusing on how can I make sure that I'm just really just right with God. Uh, I borrowed the title. I like the title. It seemed to really fit. And uh, so today we're just going to... It's really um, no frills as far as that. I don't think it has to be. I think we just look to the Word today and really just to ask yourself, am I closer to God today... Than I've ever been. Am I closer to him today than I've ever been? And and of course, you know, if if you are, praise God. Wow, awesome. Keep growing. Keep growing. Absolutely. If not, then to remember that God doesn't move, but we do, don't we? And so if you can think of a better day, a better time, a closer time, more joyful time with Christ than today, then listen, what is it going to take in your life for you to get right with the Lord? That's where we're going. So let's stand together. We're going to read a few verses here just to honor God's word. Stand one more time, if you will, with me. And uh, we'll read the first three verses. How's that? It says, Now on the 24th day, chapter 9 of Nehemiah, now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners. And they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. And for another-fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. And we'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful this morning for Your Word, for Your Spirit who indwells us as believers. Father in this moment, and we, we sense, Lord, your spirit here already, and we sense, Lord, I pray, you're moving in hearts. I know you are. And Lord today, may this be a day like no other. May this be a day that we would commit ourselves, Lord, afresh and anew to you. I pray for the words to think, the very thoughts to think that you might be glorified, that Lord Jesus might be lifted up. Father, I pray for people in this room. Some are struggling. Father, going through difficult times. Some, it may be the best day of their lives. Praise God. There may be some here that, someone that doesn't know you personally, speak to that heart, Lord. Take off the scales from their eyes that they would see their need for Christ. We thank you for those that are watching today. Lord, bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Author Lillian Guild, I don't know anything about her other than this story, but Lillian Guild. Tells what I think is kind of an amusing story, that she and her husband were on vacation, and as they were driving down the road, and I don't really know where they were. It may have listed it in the story, and in my mind, I'm thinking out west, but it may not have been. It may not have been. But anyway, they're driving down the road, and they notice this late model Cadillac that was off the side of the road with the hood up. So they stop to offer assistance. And they found out, the guy, he was kind of grinning sheepishly when, when, they, when they came up to him. He said, well, I have to be honest. He said, I knew I was really running low on gas. And he said, I knew I should stop at the gas station, but I had this meeting. I really wanted to get to this meeting, and I need to get there. So I, uh, so I bypassed the gas station, and I ran out of gas. They said, look, you know, today's your day. We actually have a can of gas. we got a gallon of gas here with us, and we'll be glad to give you that gallon of gas. So, gave him the gallon of gas. You know, he closed the hood, he got in the car, and he went on his way. Well, they got in their vehicle, and they took off as well. About 11 miles down the road, late model Cadillac, Maybe not the best mileage, but what a great ride. Anyway, but besides that, but anyway, but anyway, so 11 miles or so down the road, here's the very same car off the side of the road, hoods up, and once again, they stop. And once again, this guy has a sheepish grin on his face. (laughs) He said, you know, I'm so glad you stopped. He said, you know, I I really need to get to this meeting, (laughs) and I resisted. Stopping at the gas station and I've run out of gas again. I'll be honest, I read that story. You know what I thought? What a dummy. I thought, what a dummy. Who would do something so careless, so foolish? Wait a minute. I might be guilty of that. Maybe not with gasoline, but spiritually. We're always in a hurry to do something, aren't we? We're always in a hurry to get busy serving the Lord. And and, and sometimes if we're not careful, we don't stop to refuel spiritually. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to go to church. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. All those things. And if you're not careful, we can find ourselves running on empty. And we wonder sometimes why our spiritual lives are are so dry. And we wonder sometimes, if you're like me, why our spiritual lives are so dull. And could it be that we just got busy doing something and we really haven't taken time to to spend with the Lord? And that brings us to Nehemiah chapter 9. Now, it's really important to understand in Nehemiah 9, when we read here uh, in the first verse, This listen, they've been having church for over three weeks, roughly. They've been having church for over three weeks. I mean, when you go back and and you look and read verse uh, verse, um, verse 1, it says, Now on the 24th day of this month, if you go back to chapter 8, right before that, when the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. And so they started uh, with the Feast of Trumpets. They continued with the Day of Atonement. They went to the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. And so basically, then they had a solemn assembly, so basically, for 24 days, man, they have been reading the Word, they've been praying, they've been praising, they've been having camp meeting. <laughs> they've been having time with the Lord, so it didn't happen overnight, it could, the Lord's, by the Lord's grace, but it didn't here. Man, some good things are going on. Now, today, you know, I, I'm thinking of this, of revival. We've got revival meeting coming up in just less than a month, uh, March 6th through the 9th. And we've got uh, uh, Pastor Cedric Williams from uh, Cedar Grove Baptist Church over in Cedar Bluff. Listen, if, if you've never heard him preach, man, you're going to be in for a treat. If you have heard him preach, you're going to be in for a treat. I'm just telling you, the, the guy can preach. And uh, But you know what? Brother Cedric, he can't bring revival. Only God can bring revival. And we can have the, we, and we always have the best music in the world, amen? I'm just telling you, our praise team, our band, a top-notch, early service, Elena and our group that Sings, listen, top-notch, I'm just telling you, but, but you know what, only God can bring revival. Only God can, revue, can renew hearts. And, and here we see that happening. But there's some things that we need to do. And we were talking in staff meeting this week how that maybe some of our students or maybe some that are young in the faith, you know, we talk about the word revival. And you may not really even know what that is. A lot of us my age and older, we know what revival is, right? We remember the revival meetings, and we used to have them, seemed like more, we used to have two a year. I was a pastor for a long time. We had two a year, spring and fall. Revival meetings, you can have the meetings, though, and not have revival. But it just means to come to life again. Um, I think it was Vance Havner, I mentioned him last week. Vance Havner said revival is falling in love with Jesus all over again. That's a pretty good definition. Someone else said revival is letting Jesus have all of his way in all of your life all of the time. So whatever definition you want to put on it, I just put today getting right with God. Because really that's at the very heart of it, of focusing on our relationship with the Lord. Two points this morning. Two points for those who are counting points. Several subpoints, as you can see there. But anyway, that's kind of where we're going to walk at. But first of all, the preparation, spiritual preparation that we see the people of God doing, right? But then also the prayer. The prayer takes up a big part of the chapter. It's the longest prayer recorded in the Bible, uh, I believe. You can check me on that. I know there are some psalms that are longer. Psalm 119 comes to mind. But this is a long prayer, and we won't have time to go in-depth. But we're going to look, hopefully, at enough of it today. First of all, the Preparation. Preparation in the prayer. That's kind of where we're going. Here's the preparation. The spiritual preparation we see... The people of God doing. Verse 1, Now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Now, uh, as I mentioned, uh, they've been having church now for quite a while. Started with the Feast of Trumpets. It, It continued about the 15th of the month with the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And then also then the Feast of Tabernacles. And then there was a solemn assembly that was mentioned at the end of the last chapter, and now today, they have gathered together. And what I want you to see, they gathered together to finish some unfinished business. You remember last week, we talked in chapter 8, how when they started reading the Word and people just started weeping. Remember, it says they all wept. Remember, they, they all wept. And maybe it kind of went into a hysteria. I don't know. But, but they all wept. And, and remember they said, hey, don't weep right now. Rejoice in the Lord, right? Well, think about this. Now they're coming back to, now it's time to deal with that sin. Now it's time to deal with that sin. And so they have gathered together to finish some unfinished business. Let me ask you today, church, what is it in your life that is unfinished that you need to finish with the Lord this morning? What sin is it that God has convicted you of? And maybe at the time you couldn't, you didn't deal with it or couldn't. But today, so what is it unfinished in your life today that you need to deal with? And we see them again gathering together to do just that. And it says they gather or are assembled with fasting. Now, fasting, <clears throat> excuse me. Of course, is going without going without food. It shows the seriousness. Of, of of their praying, the seriousness of this meeting that they're willing to say, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to eat till I get right with you. There are times in our lives, church, that we probably need to fast. I'm going to be very honest. I've said this before. You know, I've fasted very little in my life. Um, I'm ashamed of that. But there's a time to fast. And as God leads you in that, whether it be a meal or whether it be from something else, a time to dedicate yourself and the seriousness of that. It says they assemble with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. And, And Josh and I were talking about that this week. That is so foreign to us. You know, they, 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 they dressed in sackcloth, and I don't know if you've ever worn a burlap bag. Probably we haven't, you know, but I think of an old feed bag or burlap bag. It was made from a particular goat's hair, I've read, a very coarse, very rough. It would be uncomfortable. It was certainly not a fashion statement, and it wasn't meant to be, but it was very uncomfortable. But here's the thing. So they intentionally put on something uncomfortable, and they sat and put dirt on their heads. You think, what the world? Why? Well, it was in the Bible, and we see that Old Testament, especially. It was a sign of humility. It also could be a sign of mourning, right, to the loss of, of someone. But also, it was a sign of repentance and a sign of humility. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, if you're sitting in burlap with dirt on your head, that's a pretty humbled state to be in, right? And that was the intention. But here it is: they were willing. They were willing to be uncomfortable to get right with God. Are we? Are you? Are you willing to be uncomfortable just to be right with God, or will we say, "Well, no, it's not one of my comfort"? We never say that. Many times we live that way, right? And and so we see here. They were willing to be uncomfortable, willing to be put out, willing to be humbled because they're at the end of themselves. Church, there will never be renewal and revival in your heart or in my heart till we get to the end of ourselves and we get out of the way. Amen? And, and, and sometimes we get in the way. I get in the way. So we see then several things that they did, and let me just walk through those. We've already mentioned a couple of those, of the assembling together, the fasting, the, the humility. They humbled themselves, That's what I put there. They, then those, verse 2, those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners. Now, if you go back to chapter 7 of that long list of names that I very conveniently bypassed in the message... We see then in verse 64, these sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore, they were excluded from the priesthood uh, as defiled. There were those that, that did not have their names written. And we read that similar things back in the book of Ezra. Now, here's the thing. It says they separated themselves from all foreigners. It was not a racial thing. It was a thing about the people of God. It was, it was a matter of faith. Because God's people were told to, to marry within the people of God. And they had not done that. So that's where it's going. Again, it's not racial. It's an issue of, of marrying within the faith. It would be the same today that a, that a Christian ought to marry a Christian. A Christian ought to marry a Christian. Marrying the Lord, right? Now... Let me answer this in case this question comes up. If you're here and you're married to an unbeliever, you say, well, does that mean then according to that I'm supposed to separate from them? No. No, interpret everything here from New Testament eyes, right? First Corinthians 7. First Corinthians 7. Paul says, hey, look, if you're married to an unbeliever, you stay with them. If they're willing, right? You stay with them because of children for the sake of the children right to be sanctified in the lord's eyes right see and understand and maybe they'll come to the lord amen so so here but my point is today here's what I want you to get don't miss it please may we separate from anything unholy in our lives what is it in your life today that that god says that's not of me what is it what habit or what uh Whatever it might be, hobby or something, I don't know. Or what relationship is it today that God would say, that's, that's not of me. We separate from that, amen? Amen, they they separated uh, themselves from all foreigners. And they stood, notice this, verse 2, and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. It also mentions in chapter, a verse, excuse me, verse 3, that they also confessed and worshipped. But they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. So they confessed. Now, the word confess... You know, it's very basic sense that we think about to tell the truth, right? But the word confess, it means to, it means to agree. It means to agree. Here's the, here's the deal. Listen, God always sees my sin for what it is. Sin. Now, I don't always see it that way. I might say, well, you know, Lord, everybody else is doing it. Well, you know, Lord... It's 2022. You know, I might try to rationalize it, justify it, but God always sees it for sin. So, so, so confession comes when I agree with God of what He's already said that that's sin. And I'm going to tell you, church, there's a lot of things in the church, in our lives, in our community, wherever in the world, that Christians around the world may say, oh, it's okay to do that. And God's word says, no, it's not. There may be things in your life today you've qualified, you've justified rationalized is okay and god says no no it's not give you an example suppose suppose i have a falling out with my good buddy here brian bear and suppose i get mad at brian and i mean i just fuss him out in the lord in the lord And I just fuss at him. I mean, I just get mad at him, fuss at him, tell him this. And so later the Holy Spirit convicts me and said, Eddie, you shouldn't talk to your brother like that. Lord, you're right. But he deserved it. (laughs) Have I confessed anything? Nope. Maybe the next day the Holy Spirit's convicted me. You shouldn't talk to your brother like that. You need to go apologize to him. You need to tell him, Lord, you're right. But that's no worse than he's ever done. Have I confessed anything? No. But it's only until I come to that place of saying, Lord, you know, I've sinned against my brethren. And He said, You know, I said that from the beginning. What is it in your life today? Is there something in your life today, unfinished business, that needs to be finished? What sin have you rationalized as okay? You know, guys, we're notorious for this because we have compartments. <laughs> Ladies, for you, everything <laughs> connects. But for guys, we've got a box for that. And we've got a box for that. This box doesn't touch that box. What is it today? We need to confess. We see them confessing. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise His name. Amen. But not only did, not only did they confess, look, uh, what else? And, and they worshiped. They worship the Lord their God. We were worshiping this morning, right? And Randy was right. We don't have to have music to worship. That aids in our worship, doesn't it? Helps in our worship. But worship is just living a life that pleases God. It's getting up in the morning and saying, Woo, praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy and just glorifying and praising God. And then notice in verse 3, it says, they, they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law. I missed that one. Yes, yeah, so they read from the word. Here it is, and that's what we're trying to do today, right? They read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. And for another-fourth, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Think about this. This was not, you know, a 30-minute service. I mean, for three hours, they're reading the Word and probably being explained to them. For another three hours, they're confessing and and worshipping the Lord. Wow, it took time, didn't it? I mean, and they're taking time with the Lord. And I would just say that, and I'm going to move on, because I want us to see this prayer. You know, sometimes, I'm just going to say it this way. Sometimes we really want to walk with the Lord. And I believe that's true. I believe for most of you. I don't know all of you that well. I know some of you really well. I believe probably most people in this room really want, want to walk with the Lord as long as we can do it in a timely manner. Are you with me? Now, I know some of you think, I really don't care what time we get out. I do. I've been fussed at enough. I do care. <laughs> just being honest, I've, I've had some little talkings too enough. I do care what time we get out. And I shouldn't care, but I do care. But but here's the thing. It, when God shows up, I don't think anybody's going to care. <laughs> now, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just leave it at that and move on. Here, I want you to see the prayer. because we're running out of time. Anyway, so here it is. So here's the prayer. And the prayer is so much a part of this chapter. It's so long. And, and but I want you to see basically it's a sincere prayer, it's a heartfelt prayer. It's um there's an urgency about this prayer. If you want to put a tag on the meaning of this prayer, get this, don't miss this. Here it is. God, you have been faithful and we haven't. That's going to be that's the prayer. And we'll, we'll look at it. Lord, you've been gracious, you've been merciful, you've been kind, you've been patient. And we have done wickedly. We have not appreciated. Now, verse 4. I can't pronounce those names really well. I get in the, I, and so we're just going to say, these, these folks here, these Levites probably, in verse 4, they stood on the stairs of the Levites, and, or they stood on the stairs of the Levites, so they may not have been Levites, spiritual leaders, and cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. They cried out. And the Levites... And again, here's the hard word, hard word, hard word. Joshua and the rest of them, Cadmiel. Anyway, notice what verse five. Are you ready? And, and, and so here are the Levites, and what do they say? They said, verse five: Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Here it is. They get on the platform, and they say to God's people: Stand up and bless the Lord. Stand up and bless the Lord. Stand up and praise the Lord. Stand up and give glory to God. That's what they did. Man, you guys are so good. You are so smart. It took a minute. <laughs> it took a minute. Well, you're always listening. You got to be careful. You don't want to get committed too quick here. What's going on? But they stood up and blessed the Lord. I mean, wouldn't... Man, isn't that awful? Listen, heaven's going to be this way, but look at their prayer. And blessed be your glorious name. Here's, I put out, I think it's three subheadings, um, basically. And you could divide this prayer a lot of ways. I've seen it divided seven, eight different times, but really, just and let me give you this real quick a praise to God as creator and deliverer, okay? Um, a focus on God's character as gracious and merciful. And then a summary of the prayer, God is faithful and we are faithless. I gave you that already. But just briefly, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want us to look at this prayer. And and listen, if you are struggling, may I say this in an instructive, teachable way as your your pastor? If you're struggling in your prayer life, here's a good place to come. Make this your prayer. If your prayer life seems dry and like out in the desert or something, mine does two times, Listen, pray this. Look, blessed be your glorious name. So they stood up to praise the Lord, which is exalted above all blessing and praise, for alone, you alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, and all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. God, you are creator over all. There's no one greater than you. And it just starts. That's how they start, pr- that's how they start praying. Listen, let me ask you this. When you pray, do you talk more to God and praise God, or do you talk more to you, about you? When you pray, are you praising God, or are you just talking about you? I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about you. God is concerned about you, but listen. God, there's no one greater. And they start with God. They start with God. Look at verse 7. God is sovereign. And, and what you're going to see here, they're going to recount the history of how God called Abram, changed his name to Abraham, and, and all the way through bringing the, the uh, uh, Israelites out and bringing them to Mount Sinai and all this. That's where he's going. Look at verse 7. You alone are the Lord God who chose Abram uh, you, and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name of Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you made a covenant with him to give him the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. God called Abram, changed his name to Abraham, found his heart right before him, but it wasn't because of anything Abraham had done. It was because God called him in God's sovereign grace. He called him and changed him, Right? Because, listen, Abram, like us, he was a pagan before he came to the Lord, and so were we. Verse 9, you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and you heard the cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, um, and against all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted proudly, presumptuously against them. So you made a name for yourself, as it is this day. So God knew the Egyptians were proud, acting proudly, and he brought all the plagues upon them. Look on to verse 13. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances. So now God's brought his people, what? Into the wilderness, right? And gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in and possess the land which you had sworn to give them. And so you think, all that God did for Israel, surely they would worship Him and surely they would serve Him and surely they would love Him. Verse 16. But they and our fathers acted proudly. Same word as verse 10. Same word as, word as verse twenty nine, presumptuously. It was the Egyptians proud to begin with. Now it's a people of God acting proudly. Do you think we can act that way? Listen, I don't know about you, but I see me in this. Do you see you? But they, they and our fathers, verse sixteen, acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. And, and, and in the rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. All that God had did for, uh, had done for them, all the deliverance, all the miracles, and yet what? They did not obey. They, they stiffened their neck. It's a way of saying they bowed up. That's what they say where I come from. They bowed up. They acted stubborn, stubborn as an old mule. So how does God respond to that? Well, look what God did here. Verse 17, But you are God, ready to pardon, (laughs) gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. (laughs) He did not forsake them. Aren't you glad today that God didn't leave you where you were? Aren't you glad that God didn't leave you in a lost state, but he loves you, he's slow to forgive, and even today, if you will turn back to him, he will forgive. Verse 18. Even when they made a molded calf for themselves... And said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and were great provocations or blasphemies. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. Look down. Let's move on down for the sake of time. Well, look at verse 21. We really, every time I think, we need to read that verse. Look at verse 21. It says, 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. They lacked nothing. Is any of us lacking this morning? You say, well, you know, I'd really like that. Well, yeah, you'd really like to have this, and I might like to have that or this. But are we lacking anything? No. No, God is faithful, isn't He? Um, look at verse 23. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So here we are now at the book of Joshua, Right? So the people went in and possessed the land. You subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and and gave them uh, into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wished. And you took the strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of all goods, cisterns already dug Vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your goodness. Isn't God good? He said, listen, when you came into the land, man, you you had houses already set up, fully furnished. You had cisterns that had been dug. You had fruit trees in abundance. And he said to them, you you grew fat (laughs) in God's goodness. So you think, well, surely now they'll appreciate the Lord. Surely now they'll serve the Lord. Surely now they'll say, God, I'm all yours. i am surrender to you. But if you look in verse 26, nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to himself. And they were great provocations, blasphemies. Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies. We're now in the book of Judges. (laughs) Who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. You go in the book of Judges. Here's what happened. God's people got away from God. God would send an enemy, the Midianites or someone, to oppress the people of God. They would cry out to God. God would raise up a leader like Deborah or Samson or Gideon to defeat the enemies of God so for a while they were okay and then they disobey again and God would have to send someone else and, and you think of that when, you, when I read through this and even today just but notice what it says when they cried out to you verse 27 you heard from heaven and according to your abundant mercies you gave them deliverers who saved them aren't you glad no matter how many times you and I cry out to God he hears. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad it's not like a three or four limit per day, hour? <laughs> I mean, think of it. Isn't that true? Amen. I mean, listen, let's, let's finish up. We're nearing the end of the hour. But notice verse 29. And, and But anyway, verse 28 said, after they'd had rest, they again did evil. There we go again. Verse 29. And testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly. There it is again. Pride is such a sin. It will keep a many a person out of, he- out of heaven. It will keep a many a church member from being right with God. Our pride. And did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does him, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. I wonder today, You know, maybe if you'll leave here with this attitude, I hope not, but I'm also kind of a realist, I guess, lack of faith at times, because I know me. I know me pretty well. Just kind of shrug your shoulders. He's all wound up today, wasn't he? Probably had too much coffee this morning. And maybe you never give it another thought. And I don't mean of anything I said. You pray for me too, because I can leave here the very same way. Lord, I told him. Well, what about me? Christ says, Eddie, what do you need to do? Are you with me? Guys, we can play church. And play is all it is. But God will do business with those who will do business with Him. Amen. We're almost finished. Let me just... Verse 30. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your Spirit and your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious gracious and merciful. I see me in here. Do you see you in here? I see me in here. and And then... Our theme for the prayer, I found in verse 33, However, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. That's really the theme of the whole prayer. Let me move down, verse 36. Here is finally the appeal. As they pray, recounting the history of God's faithfulness and the people's faithlessness, uh, we come to verse 36, basically, here we are. So I would say to you, here we are today. Here we are, servants today, he said, in the land you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty. And here we are, servants in it. You know what they were saying? We're still servants. We're still in slavery. We're in slavery again. This time by the Persians. And yet it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. You see that? And they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. (laughs) You know, here's what I think he's saying as we end up. Here's what I think he's saying. Lord, you have been faithful throughout the ages. You have been faithful to your people over and over and over again. God, would you have mercy on us? Do it again. Would that be your prayer today? Lord, you've been so good to me. And I haven't been. Lord, would you do it again? Would you show me your mercy, your forgiveness, your kindness? And you know what? He will. Amen. Amen. I close with this. Listen, some of you younger folks, students, I'll have to have to you probably don't know this. Um used to be an old TV show called To Tell the Truth. How many of you remember that? Oh, yeah. how many of you don't have a clue what that is I knew it oh yeah back to, yeah to tell the truth and and here's the way it would go best I remember I was reading about it, it kind of refreshed my memory but there would be three contestants all claiming to be the same person the name we're going to use today is Mike Barnes that was the name in the story I actually know a Mike Barnes, but I don't think it's him. But anyway, so it would be, say, Mike Barnes. Everybody, all three claimed to be Mike Barnes. Only one was really Mike Barnes. And usually the the contestant, the the person that they're trying to figure out, had some kind of something special about him that made him unique. Maybe a... Uh, so he could do something, or had a hobby, or whatever. So then you have this panel of celebrity folks that they're trying to guess who's the real Mike Barnes. So they ask these questions, right? That's not like a fun game. Sound, uh, anyway, so anyway, so they're asking these questions, trying to figure out who the real Mike Barnes is in this case. So uh, then they make their pick after asking these questions, and so here's the, here you know the catchphrase. So here it is: Will the real Mike Barnes please stand up? And of course, usually they'd all act like, they're, and then finally one guy would stand up, or one lady, depending on what it was. To tell the truth. I think that's a good tag for Nehemiah chapter 9. We see God's people telling the truth. Here's my question. Will we tell the truth to the Lord this morning? Will you tell the truth? Will we tell the truth? What is it in your life today that God's put his finger on that we need to bring to him? Amen. Let me give you this. The circle of confession needs to match the circle of offense. All sin is against God, but go to him first. If I've sinned against a brother, I go to God first, I go to my brother. If I've sinned against a group, I go to God first, then I go to the group that I've offended to tell the truth. Hey, thank you for worshiping with us today here at First Baptist Church. Listen, if we could be of service to you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, You can call our church office Monday through Friday. You can send us an email, a Facebook message. We would love to hear from you. Uh, So until next time. Uh, Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.